Well, howdy. My name is Kevin Barra. I'm the youth pastor here at the Anderson campus and some folks representing. So glad you guys are here this morning. Uh, middle of August, we are fast approaching the start of the school year. Very excited for all of that. We are talking about uh, plans this morning and, uh, and I'll t- tell you this to jump off with. Uh, there's two types of people in the world. Those who make plans and those who don't and these two people normally get married, Okay. My wife is the planner, and uh, this January we went on a family vacation to Disney World, and uh, my wife, for a while, started planning our adventure to Disney World. In fact, she made this little, little ditty. This is a countdown calendar, for those of you who don't know. You can't see the numbers because they're covered by Mickey's and Minnie's along the way, but this was a month out. This was a month out planning, and each kid would rotate what sticker they're going to put on here. I have three kids, uh, five-year-old daughter, Peyton, three-year-old son, Micah, two-year-old son, Jesse, and they would rotate through who puts the Mickey or the Minnie on the calendar, countdown toward Magic Kingdom, kind of that's what we're going for. Uh, but this, this was 30 days out, and this is really just the tip of the iceberg of the planning process, okay? So about a year out, my wife began planning our trip, and she constructed a binder, Now, you may be asking yourself, okay, Kevin, is that like a family album? Is that pictures of your vacation, the joy that you had? No, no, no. This is preparatory, people. This is before we would go on the trip. And so as we're going uh, through the airport, you may be asking, how are we going to navigate the airport? Where are our tickets? How do we do this? Well, we just go to general information for that. We got the plan there. How are we going to navigate this airport? How are we going to get the tickets there? Vacation day plans. But where are we going to stay? Where, where are we going to stay in the Magic Kingdom? Or what, what park are we going to stay at? Well, that's in hotel information. Um, we'll flip there, get that information going. Or where are we going to eat tonight? What are we going to do? How are we going to do for dinner? Well, there are princesses to see. There are books to sign. We need a plan for this, people. And so we would go to dining information and, uh, and get day-to-day plans on that. Now, I, I got to tread lightly on this because... Uh, Planners don't like it when you make fun of their plans. And, um, but my, my wife said, hey, but we had a great time. I said, baby, you are absolutely right. Now, at one point during the planning process, she asked me this question. Kevin, do you want to plan anything for the trip? Do you have any plans you want to do on the trip? There's no good answer to that. So I responded the only way I could, gentlemen, pick up on this. Baby, your plan is perfect, right? And it was. It was a phenomenal trip. We had a phenomenal time. Saw the rides. My son got kissed on the cheek by Tiana. Okay, all part of the plan of seeing princesses. It was absolutely awesome. Phenomenal plan. Contrast that with me. When I was in college, uh, I spent one summer in Colorado. I'm there training with some guys. And it came to the end of the summer. And I had to be, I had to be back to move out of my apartment what I realized was that day. <laughs> so I'm in Colorado. What am I going to do? Crud. No plan. So what do I do? I call my parents, mom, dad. Here's my sticky situation. And they covered for me, right? They moved my entire apartment because I didn't plan. And, and really, there's, there's really a spectrum on this. Those of you who plan everything and those of you who plan nothing. And, and if you're on the nothing plan kind of stream, I would say this. You may not have organized plans, but you have dreams, you have goals, and all you have to do is play a game called twice your age, or if you're older, you can play half your age, and, and you can see that you've developed plans in your life. So if you're, if you're 15, double it to 30. If you're 20, double it to 40. Where are you? What are you doing? 
Where are you married? What are you driving? Where are you living? All of those are plans that you've constructed. We all have plans. The only issue is how well crafted are they? And so really this morning, it, with whatever category you're in, if you, if you never plan, the message for you this morning is this. A failure to plan is a plan for failure. And you need to tighten up your planning process. For others of you that are crazy planners, you've got plans about your plans, you know, um, the message for you is this, that you, we need to release our grip. And really there's two large categories of plans that we're going to look at. There's bad plans and there's good plans. The first category are bad plans and bad plans lead to bad places. And you may be asking yourself the question, Kevin, could there be a bad plan? Well, even Disney recognizes that there are bad plans. And so in preparation for our Disney adventure, we had to watch every Disney film. One of those films was Rapunzel, okay? Uh, it's actually the movie Tangled, and so Rapunzel's the main character. If you're not familiar with it, uh, it's, it's called Tangled. Rapunzel's the main character. She's trapped in her tower by an evil witch. And then Flynn Rider comes up, kind of rescues her, and they go on this little adventure. And as they're kind of traveling through the wilderness, she's kind of, you know, unsure about the direction of her life, uncertain about what she's doing. And they arrive at a tavern where there's a bunch of hard men inside of it. And she didn't realize the danger that she had just walked into, that they both had walked into. And so she just blurts out this question to these hard men that look like a bunch of Vikings. She says this, haven't you ever had a dream? And these men answer in the only way Disney can, in song, right? And so the first guy launches off with this. I'm malicious, mean, and scary. My sneer could curdle dairy. And violence-wise, my hands are not the cleanest. But despite my evil look and my temper and my hook, I've always yearned to be a concert pianist. Can't you see me on the stage performing Mozart? Right, and it kind of goes on. And, 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 what's, and what's interesting is that each one of these guys shares their dream, their plan for their life. And so you've got a guy who wants to play piano, a guy who wants to find love, a guy that has little porcelain figurines that he dings. Uh, it's, it's all very hilarious as you see these hard men come up with their plans. And at a point, they, they come to Flynn Rider. And they say, what about you? And he's like, I don't do songs, kind of not my game. And they pull out swords and they put it to him. They're like, sing. And he's like, all right, all right. And he says this, I've got plans like you know, really, just much less touchy-feely that mainly happened somewhere warm and sunny on an island that I own, tanned and rested and alone, surrounded by enormous piles of money, right? So that's his dream, his plan. I want an island and I want to be surrounded by money. And soon the song ends, bad guys start coming and Rapunzel and Flynn need to flee. And as they flee out of the room, one of the guys turns to them and says, you chase your dream. Now he's talking to Rapunzel and she says, okay, But Flynn thinks he's talking to him and he goes, I will. And then the guy responds, no, no, your dream's stupid. (laughs) So even Disney knows there are such things as bad dreams. There are dreams that don't lead to flourishing, that lead in a bad direction. They lead to a bad place. And really there's two categories of bad plans that we're going to look at. There's bad planning or planning bad. Well, what do you mean by that, Kevin? Well, bad planning is, is this. Proverbs fifteen twenty two says it this way. Without consultation, plans are frustrated. But with many counselors, they succeed. Now, what he's saying is, is this. With many, 
Without consultation, plans are frustrated. If you don't have the right people around you helping you make the plan, you will end up frustrated. And really the problem with this first category of bad planning is this. You didn't think it through. Or another way to say it would be you planned poorly. And we've seen this all the time. All you have to do is flip on to YouTube and you see people that didn't think it through, right? So you got a guy who climbs up on top of a roof, says, I'm going to jump onto my trampoline. This will go well. He falls off and breaks his arm, right? Go watch on YouTube later on. It's guys that didn't think it through. And I think there's, in looking at Proverbs, in large part, it's, it's written from a father figure to a son, It's written from a dad to a son. And I think this is so pertinent because oftentimes guys don't think it through. They don't make the best plans. And what's interesting about bad plans is that oftentimes we think we were doing the right thing. In Proverbs 12, 15, it says it this way. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man is he who listens to counsel. The problem with bad planning is that the, that the fool can't see beyond his bad plan. He thinks he's made the right decision. He doesn't understand that it's going to lead in a bad direction. And, and oftentimes we, we see kind of this thing play out uh, in life where we don't think it through and we end up being frustrated. And so you may have experienced this. You, you plan on going on a road trip. You're like, we're going to drive to New Mexico or Colorado. And you're, you're going, do you have a map printed out? kind of showing you where to go. No, no, I got GPS. I'll be fine. So you grab your GPS. I'll be fine. Well, not in West Texas, okay? And then you get kind of on a road. You're, you're going in a direction and, and you get kind of disoriented. Should I have stopped for gas? I don't know. And suddenly you're stranded in the middle of nowhere because you planned poorly. You didn't think it through. That was a bad plan. But there's also a second court category of bad plans and it's this. It's planning bad Proverbs 6, verse 16 through 18 says it this way. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly toward evil. Verse 18 kind of clarifies it for us. It says this, that there are, there are plans that are devised in the heart. Plans that, that you have in your heart that come out. And it's a heart that, that thinks it through, that plans out. It's a well-orchestrated plan for bad. So when I was in college, there was a party at the beginning of every year uh, put on by the swimmers. It was called the Cherry Bomb. And they would soak cherries in Everclear for different lengths of time uh, all for the purpose, this well-orchestrated party, to get a bunch of people drunk. And so they would buy ice luges, kegs, tons of alcohol, all well-orchestrated, all well-thought-through, a great plan to get a lot of people drunk. And the Bible says, yeah, yeah, that's, that's an evil plan. That's a, that's, an, that's a wrong plan. It doesn't lead to flourishing. It just hurts people. One of the worst examples of, of a bad plan is from the Holocaust. It was a well-orchestrated, well-planned-out plan of genocide. Proverbs fifteen twenty-six says this: "Evil plans are an abomination to the Lord, but pleasant words are pure." See, the problem with with bad plans is this: that people end up being frustrated, or people end up being hurt. Sometimes both. 
And so the question that I really want to answer this morning is this, how do I make good plans? What is God's goal? Well, God wants you to make plans in life that help people flourish, that give people life, that doesn't take life from them. So how is it that we can be people that can make plans in life that not only help us flourish, but other people flourish? And really there's four pieces to this. There's four ways in which to make good plans. And simply they're this, to slow down, to get the right people in the room, to make changes, and to give God your plans. I had a coach uh, in college, and he would always say the most profound statements with the simplest phrasing. He would say stuff like this, if you want to run fast, you've got to run fast. I was like, what do you even mean by that, you know? And he was educated and young. He'd been to college, and so he wasn't dumb. And so I knew that he knew what he was talking about. I'm like, what do you even mean? And he, says, he said it this way. He said, if you want to, to run faster, you can't just run long and slow to be a good distance runner. You've got to run long and slow, but you also have to train in a different way. You've got to run shorter distances quickly to train your body to be able to run faster. And so one way of acting isn't, isn't the best to help you as a runner. It takes different types of training to develop differently so that you are more well-rounded. And the same is true in planning. If you want to accomplish greater goals, you have to develop better plans. And so these are four pieces, and, and they're, not, they're not magical. They're, I can't guarantee that you'll have success in every venture in life if you do these four things. But I will tell you this. These are four pieces that we all need in the plans that we're making. And the first step is this, to slow down. Proverbs 21.5 says this, The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes to poverty. The word diligent there is the word sharp or or to cut. And what it's saying is this, it's often used to describe artisans. What it's saying is to to be consider what you're doing before you just do it. Don't be a ready, fire, aim person. Think about what you're doing next. Slow down and make proper cuts. It's often used in contrast to to people that are rash or hasty. And so really what diligence means is to, to continually, faithfully work. Don't cut corners, but persist in doing the right thing. To slow down. There's a pastor of Life Church TV, and his name is Craig Groeschel. <clears throat> and he, he says it this way We often overestimate what we can do in the short run and underestimate what we can do in the long run. See, when he was a young guy, he planted a church and he had all of these visions, all of these goals of things that his church would accomplish, all of these things that he would do. And what he realized is that he was running all of these plans but making a lot of mistakes. And what he needed to learn was the process of slowing down, making better plans. And he realized, I'm, I was only thinking short term. I need to think long term. There's a book that came out recently called um, So Good They Can't Ignore You by uh, Cal Newport. And the, the book, he got the title of it from Steve Martin. And Steve Martin was a, a great actor, comedic actor. And all the time, people would come to Steve Martin and be like, okay, tell us, Steve, how do you become a great actor? How do you, you know, work the system? How do you get that, that call back from that producer or whatever? And, and he said, I'll give you the advice, but most people don't like it. And the actors would be like, come on, Steve, give us the nugget. And he'd, and he'd say this, be so good they can't ignore you. 
And they'd be, they respond kind of, oh, I thought I just needed to call the right guy to work the system. And he's like, no, no, no. Focus on your craft. Get so good that you get the call back. Now, Cal goes on to describe um, people that jump too early into their dreams. He describes people that created businesses just because they were following their passion. They wanted to jump in. And he quotes one person who was a yoga instructor. And this yoga instructor had a dream of having a yoga studio. And so she sold all of her possessions, bought this little thing in New York, and tried to start her yoga business. And within three months, the whole thing's bankrupt. And he said, look, what she needed to do was slow down, focus on her craft, and in the right time, start it. One of the hardest things that I've learned, and it's been a great lesson um, at this church, is this, the pace of change. And whether you realize it or not, it's actually very slow. It took a number of years for the elders and staff and everyone to get on board when we started the Southwood campus. It took a lot of prayer, a lot of planning, a lot of consideration. And finally, when everyone was on the same page and everyone was united, they launched that first campus. And it's been about seven or eight years since we started the Southwood campus. And now, 70 years later, we're starting the Creekside campus. Can I get a whoop? Yeah. And in that process, that seven years, they didn't want to jump in early. They didn't want to go before they were ready. They planned, they prayed, they got all the pieces in order and then executed. The first step in making good plans is to slow down and think long-term. Secondly, is to get the right people. Proverbs 1.5 says it this way. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. And a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. I love this verse. It comes at the very beginning of Proverbs. It's verse 5. And the verse assumes that we don't have all the answers. They said wisdom comes when you acquire wise counsel. You'll increase learning. You mean you'll absorb multiple inputs. And then you will acquire. You'll get people around you to give you the right information. See, it assumes that we don't walk in wise. We need people around us to help us make better decisions. Proverbs 20, 18 says it this way. Prepare plans by consultation and make war by wise guidance. What it's saying is, look, get a ring of counselors around you, giving you good input, good advice. And from that good advice, you then act. But you don't act before you get people to weigh in on your decision. Andy Stanley is a pastor of a church in, in Atlanta, and, and he has a podcast called The Leadership Podcast. And on that podcast, he and a friend of his kind of talk about leadership, and it, it really applies to all types of industries. And as they're talking back and forth, they're talking about their church, the organization that they lead. And one of the things that they've said, they said to one another is, is I don't even know if we would be hired at our current church, because one Sunday he went and he said the way that they run things, the, the, the band, the message, everything was run so well. And he was like, I don't even need to be here anymore. And what he said was, what I've done, what we've tried to do is surround ourselves with the best people to make the best decisions and let them lead. Let them influence the direction of our church. And he says it this way. You're not the smartest person in the room. You're just the leader. And that's true for all of us. We're not the smartest person in the room. You're just living life. It's your life. 
but you, you're not the smartest person in the room. And most of us know this, and we apply this in certain areas of life. So in the area of medicine, right? So if you have a medical condition, a medical issue, what will you do? You'll go find the best doctors to give you the best diagnosis. Um, a couple, couple weeks ago, my wife was going to a, a clinic, um, a people clinic. She's a veterinarian. And, and she's there, and they're talking about medication she's going to be getting. And, she, and then she asked them a couple questions about the medicine. And the nurse kind of goes, well, are you a doctor? Do you, know, or do you know anything about medicine? And she says, well, I'm a veterinarian. And the person responded, oh, but you're so nice. And my wife didn't quite know how to respond to that. And the nurse was like, no, 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 no. It's just doctors aren't always the nicest people because they're used to being the smartest person in the room, right? And so when you start prescribing stuff, they're like, okay, let me check on that. And they've kind of got their own way to go through it. They want to make sure that you're prescribing only what they want. They don't like taking advice. But the truth is everyone that is successful in any organization knows that I've got to pull in consultants to help me make better decisions. I need wise people around me with expertise I don't have, with wisdom I don't possess to help me make better decisions. We've done this at Grace. We brought in an entire organization to help us make better decisions in leadership, to help us develop as people. Disney knows this as well, right? So Disney for, for years was set the standard in animation and song creation for years. And you've seen it from like Snow White all the way to Lion King. They were setting the bar until about 1995. And then in 1995, a new organization popped up called Pixar. And they created films like Toy Story 1 and 2, um, Finding Nemo, Monsters, Inc. And so they brought in a completely new way of making these films with computer animation. And suddenly, Disney is losing money at the box office. They're losing the battle at the box office. And they're trying to create their own films, but they're not the best at this new way of, of, of making films, making cartoons. And so, and so what do they do? They bought Pixar, right? <laughs> it's nice when you have unlimited resources, right? You just, oh, I'm going to buy them. And, and what did they do? They brought this company in. And if you read the story, what happened was, was this creativity from Pixar influenced the entire organization. So the other films were becoming more creative and better. They brought in these people that had expertise they didn't to help them do what they were doing better. And more recently, Disney bought Marvel fans, Avengers, those type of characters. And the, the CEO of, of Disney says it this way. Chief Executive Robert Eager told CNN Money this. This is perfect from a strategic perspective. This treasure trove of over 5,000 characters offers Disney the ability to do what we do best. Which makes you ask the question, okay, what do they do best? Create blockbusters, market to children, do theme parks. And they knew, Disney knew, we don't have the monopoly on story writing. So what are we going to do? We're going to pull in other people with other creativity to help us make better decisions. And the truth is, you need to do the same thing in your life. So as you're living your life, as you're making life decisions, what is your ring of counselors? Who's helping you make wise decisions? Are you making dating decisions? Who has a voice into who you date? Guys, well, she's cute. Okay, well, I'm great. 
but is there anything more, right? What's her character like? What's her family like? What's her background like? What, how, is she following Jesus? Well, I don't ask those questions. Well, maybe you got to be around some other people, some wise people to help influence that decision. Maybe you're making a career change. You're like, okay, why are you going to change jobs? Well, I hate my job. Okay, well, before you hit eject, maybe you ought to bring in a ring of counselors to ask you tough questions. Is this the best decision at this point in your life? How will this affect your family? How will this affect your future? Or maybe you're making uh, family plans, family decisions about what school for your kids to go to. Well, who's in your life to help ask tough questions of you and help you make a wise decision? Or maybe you're having marriage struggles. Are you going in it alone? Or are you bringing men and women to help give you advice as you walk through that decision? as you walk through those struggles. And here's what those people will do. Those people will pay the dumb tax for you. Okay, what do you mean by that, Kevin? Well, everyone's gonna make mistakes in planning. And the best part about bringing consultants, people that have expertise in different areas, is because they've learned it through mistakes. And you can let them make the mistakes and you learn from their mistakes. Parents, you've tried to do this with your kids all the time, right? You're just like, please don't do what I did in high school. Please don't do what I did in college. And, and the wise person accepts that guidance, the mistakes that they made, and learns from it. So get the right ring of counselors. And number three, make changes. Make changes. I truly believe this is the hardest part. Because when you bring in that ring of counselors, those people to speak into your life, they're going to poke holes in your plans. And if you're a planner, you hate this because your plan was already perfect. But those wise people are going to point their finger at problems in your plans. Proverbs 19.20 says this, listen to counsel, accept discipline that you may be wise the rest of your days. Listen to counsel, accept discipline. What's discipline? It's changes. It's corrections. It's things that those people have put their finger on that you need to change in your plan. Wise counsel will tell you when you're not making a wise decision and then you have to absorb that information and decide what to do with it. And there's really two responses. You can either say, you don't know me. Or you can receive it and make changes. Proverbs twenty-two seventeen says this, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your mind to knowledge. I love the imagery there. It's like leaning in. It's like a coach that just called timeout in the middle of a basketball game because things weren't going well. And all the players surround him and lean in for the direction. What it says is when you surround yourself with wise people, lean into what they're saying and make changes. And, and the reason many of us don't do this, or the reason it's so hard to do this is because we don't like people changing our plans and we think we're right because we're following our heart. And I've got a verse for you that you won't like because I don't like it either. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Wait a minute, I told my baby to follow her heart. Okay, well, Proverbs says, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. If you just stay with my desires, my hopes, my dreams, my aspirations, my heart, that's a foolish decision. Instead of saying, I'm gonna let other people make cuts on my story. But listen, Every story has to go through cuts. 
Every movie has to go through cuts. Every joke has to go through cuts. So I was, um, if you've ever thought about how a movie is made, a producer rarely just writes a script and, go, and rarely does a script go from conception to production. That never happens. What do producers do when they're making a film, when they're writing a story? They get a good script. They bring in that script and they bring in other writers, other consultants, other producers, and they start making cuts on the script. They write in new characters. They cut out scenes. They write in new scenes. They make all sorts of changes to the original script. And every now and then, if you watch, I don't know, the 45-disc set of Lord of the Rings, you can see the cuts that were made. And so I bought Lord of the Rings, the whole extended feature, all the discs, and it's like 45, 45,000 discs of information. And if I bought it, I'm going to watch it, right? And so I watch literally everything, every, every moment, every picture, and every cut. And certain scenes within the movie just needed to be cut. There was one scene uh, with Aragorn, and he eats a bad bowl of soup and then pours it out, and then it cuts to the next scene. And I'm like, that was horrible. That needed to be cut, right? But if you watch it, it was color corrected. The actors were all in makeup. They acted poorly, but they acted in it. Some guy had to sit behind a screen, add music and sound and adjust the lighting all to make this scene. And if you watch it, you realize that doesn't move the story forward. That has to be cut. I was listening to a podcast with two comedians and they were talking about what do you do when a joke bombs? Like you say a joke and the crowd is just silent, you know, like crickets. So what do you do in that moment? And one of the comedians says, well, I cuss at the audience and then tell them, I don't care who you are, that was funny. And the other comedian responded, he goes, okay, that's one thing you can do. He goes, or you can think of witty retorts, you know, and you can try to spend your time thinking of witty retorts for when your jokes bomb. He says, but listen, the best thing you can do is to take your lumps, go home, and craft better material. And the same is true in your life. When someone comes in and makes cuts on you, when you make decisions and they kind of fail, what do you do? You take the criticism, you take the cut, you go home and you craft better material. George F. Kaufman was a comedic playwright. And it says that he used to stand in the back of an audience and count the syllables of a joke because he knew that if he could express the same idea in fewer words, he would get a better reaction. The same is true with your life. The same is true with your story. The cuts aren't designed to hurt you. They're designed to help you. So if you get wise people around you, they cut and make changes in your plans. You take that advice, you make the change. And you know what? Even Jesus had to learn this. In Hebrews 5, 8, it says this. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through the things in which he suffered. And his humanity had to learn through the cuts. And number four, we give God our plans. Proverbs 16.9 says it this way. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. In our mind, we, we have a direction we want our life to go. And plans are like lines on a map. They're, they're, they're the path we want to travel, but, but God alone is in control of the map. God alone is directing the course of your life. Proverbs 19.21 says it this way, many are the plans in a man's heart, 
but the counsel of the Lord will stand. You see, we want to to direct our life in a certain way. And making cuts is very hard, but oftentimes God will then step in and make another cut, another change. And I would say this, you need a ring of counselors in your life for two reasons. Firstly, to help you make better decisions in life. And secondly, help you to process life when God makes severe detours in your life. Several weeks ago, I was uh, speaking at a youth camp and uh, it was with a church that I was really unconnected with and it was a group of 7th through 12th graders and as we're there at that camp, I meet a kid and he comes up and starts telling me about his life and, and he was unconnected to the church. His mom basically just signed up to go to camp and sent him. So he really didn't know anyone there. And about three days in, he was sitting by himself eating lunch alone with a journal open, kind of taking notes. And, uh, and I walked over to him. I'm like, well, what are you, what are you writing, buddy? Because it's kind of odd for a kid to be sitting alone writing during lunch. And he goes, oh, it's personal. I said, okay. I said, well, what do you think about camp? What's going on? Those types of things. What are we thinking about? And he's like, he's like yeah, it's fine. I said, what's going on? He said, I got, I got th- finally, he said, I got three big issues. He says, I've gotten drunk, I'm an atheist, and I've had sex. Now this is big, like, unload. I said, man, I'm, he's like, and I don't feel like I fit here. I said, I, I said well, I just want to press on the atheist thing right now. I didn't have much time. I said, well, why aren't you a Christian? He tells me his story. He said, my, my dad um, was deported about a year and a half ago. And I've been praying for God for a year that he would answer me, that he would move, that he would do something, and I haven't heard anything from him. And so I don't think God exists. And I looked at him and I said, okay, just because God didn't answer you in the way that you wanted him to, does that mean that God can't exist? He says, I, I don't know, maybe not. I said, you know what, you're not connected to this camp, and neither am I. You're not connected to this church, neither am I. But maybe... Just maybe God brought some crazy, weird guy from College Station, Texas, all the way to this camp in the hill country of Texas, to a church I'm not connected to, to a church you're not connected to, to tell you about a God who loves you, even if you don't understand what exactly he's doing in your life. And he's like, okay, maybe. I said, well, come tonight. Tonight's gospel night. And I share the gospel and I give the people a chance to respond. And he raised his hand. I talked to him afterward. I said, okay, what was that? You went from atheist to Christian. What, what's, what's going on? He said, well, maybe God is in control. And maybe I just don't see it. He says, maybe I'll give God another chance. And I said, well, you can give God a chance, but I'll tell you this, you need to jump in. Because even though I don't know why God is weaving the threads in your life the way that he is, I do know a good God who's in control. Even if the plans don't work out the way you wanted. He's in control. And the truth is this, we always don't know why God's weaving the way things, the, the threads of our lives the way that he is. But I'll tell you this, you don't always know what's best for you. None of us do. And even Garth Brooks knows this. I knew you saw that one coming, right? So, so many years ago when I was in junior high, uh, we would have these parties at uh, the MUD building, the Municipal Utility District building, and there were birthday parties. And so they bring in a DJ and he would play different songs and uh, we would dance, you know, some fast songs, some slow songs. We'd kind of all be dancing, having a good time. And inevitably, the DJ would always play this song 
Unanswered Prayers by Garth Brooks. Which was ironic because if, as a junior high guy, if you finally got that girl to dance with you, that was the answer to prayer, right? <laughs> but Garth says it this way. Just the other night at a hometown football game, my wife and I ran into my old high school flame. Awkward. And as I introduced them, the past came back to me and I couldn't help but think of the way things used to be. She was the one I wanted for all times. And each night I'd spend praying that God would make her mine. And if he'd only grant me this wish I wished back then, I'd never ask for anything again. And then the chorus comes in. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. It's country. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. So even Garth knows this, people, right? That a no doesn't mean I don't care about you. Sometimes it just means that this isn't best for you. And sometimes God, what he's doing in your story is he's, he's in control of something a lot larger than what we're seeing. He's doing something much bigger than what we're understanding with our, our own mind in that moment. And you know what? Even Jesus had to walk through this same thing. So on the night Jesus was betrayed, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he gets on his knees and the Bible records that blood like sweat is pouring from his forehead. And as he's sitting there on his knees, he says, God, Father, if there's a plan B, now's the time. And Father, if you haven't thought of a plan B yet, now would be great. And he says, but Lord, not my will. Get yours be done. And Jesus in his humanity is struggling with the direction of the Father. In his deity, did he know that this had to happen? You bet he knew. But in this moment, he is struggling to walk through the plan of the Father. But look, the Father knew the best plan. The Father knew the best that was given for us. He knew that he needed to give his son to die in our place for our sins. And although it was painful, it was what was best. It was going to bring all of us in. And Jesus says in Hebrews, it says of Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy? It wasn't the cross. It's because he knew that by following the path of God, the plan the father had laid out would be best for him, but best for us. And so he joyfully went to the cross, scorning its shame, knowing that many would be brought in by this great sacrifice, this pain, this move of plans for our sake. There's a poem by Martha Snell Nicholson and she sums it up better than I can. She says it this way in a, plan, in a poem called Treasures. One by one he took them from me, all the things that I valued most. Until I was empty handed, every glittering toy was lost. I walked through earth's highways grieving in my rags and poverty Till I heard his voice inviting me, lift those empty hands to me. So I held my hands toward heaven and he filled them with a store of his transcendent riches till they could contain no more. And at last I comprehended with my mind, with my stupid mind and dull, that God could not pour his riches into hands already full. As you are making your plans, you plan well 
and then you let God have the last word. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for this morning, and I thank you so much for for these people. And Lord, I know that we all have plans in life. We all have a direction we want our life to go. We all have dreams and aspirations and hopes that we want fulfilled. And Lord, it is painful when you change the course of our lives. It is painful when people step in the way of our plans. And so Lord, I pray that in this time we might release our grip on the plans we have for us. That we would trust in you, Father, who is weaving together a great story. And Lord, I lift up these people to you that they would open their hands to the Father who loves them, who gave his son for them. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys have a great morning.